Hello and welcome to what I feel is a very special edition of the Wavemakers podcast. I'm your host, Tamara Khan, and I'm thankful that you're tuning into the show here on the American Shoreline Podcast Network, brought to you by Coastal News Today. Let me get right into explaining a bit about why this show is a special one to me. For one thing, it's Thanksgiving. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. But on top of that, personally, I've had a lot going on lately. By far the most important is after a very long time of wanting, hoping, trying, I recently became a mama. So I don't think I could be more thankful than I am this year. In addition, I have a guest on the show today that has truly inspired me. In fact, I think I would not have even shared that little piece of personal info without the influence of this young man. Daniel Kleiman, my friend and colleague and the founder of Seaworthy Collective, is with me today. Daniel is the type of guy that talks about putting people first and really walks that walk in everything he does. I had the pleasure of meeting him at an ocean conference in San Diego in 2017 and basically kept my eye on this creative and genuine person ever since. So. I'm grateful to have gotten to work with him and his startup, Seaworthy Collective, over the past seven months, and very happy to introduce him here on the Wavemakers podcast today. Daniel, welcome to the show. I'm really thrilled to have you. I'm thrilled to be here, and that was definitely one of my favorite intros ever. (laughs) You see, there you go. You've inspired me to open up and always put people first, and I think wave makers we try and do that um on the podcast here and we're going to start our conversation the same way we start every other episode actually i really want to get into where you come from what's your background how did you get here (laughs) yeah well i uh you know really i'm from south florida so let's 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 start start there i grew up uh just just in a suburb of Fort Lauderdale called Cooper City. And you know, growing up, I always, of course, was close to the ocean. I took in high school, actually, uh, AP Environmental Science and Marine Biology in the same semester with a teacher, ironically, named Miss Waters. And uh, actually, that was kind of my start of knowing that I could combine my love of, of the water with actually making a career out of it. I went off to college and became a environmental engineer for a week uh, before switching to mechanical engineering. But more importantly, was really just inspired by James Cameron's dive to the Marianas Trench back in 2012, where I saw this opportunity to combine innovation with ocean exploration, which of course enables us to really conserve what we end up learning when we explore the ocean. And in that path of driving technology and innovation, I became an ocean engineer and interned at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. Uh, and really, most importantly, became a marine roboticist. And so that was, uh, whether it was doing design or manufacturing or even piloting and testing unmanned underwater vehicles, or basically underwater drones, as people like to call them, uh, it really was this kind of validation, at least when I interned at Woods Hole, that I could do tech for good. But as I got into industry, what I really saw was, you know, this kind of no, just lack of opportunity. And uh, that was starting when I took my first full-time job at Bluefin Robotics, which is an MIT spin out in Boston, where they got bought out by a defense contractor called General Dynamics, six months into working there. 
And then uh, after leaving that job to work for the Navy with the hopes of uh, ending up at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography in San Diego, where you and I met, Tamara, you know, I also saw just how dominated even the work at Scripps was by folks in the Navy and the fact that the researchers I wanted to work with were in and out of the lab that I worked on at the Navy base. And so my other background is also in design and systems thinking. And I really saw how my journey in not really having an opportunity to do impactful work as an ocean engineer was really a microcosm of a lot of things wrong with the industry where you could have all the pedigree of technical pedigree, but the reality is because there's so little funding uh, and so much domination in the private sector by these influences that aren't serving our planet that there was no opportunity. And if I couldn't have the opportunity, how could someone else without that background or without uh, or, or coming from a socioeconomically disadvantaged background ever have that opportunity? And so that was really what led me into the entrepreneurial path. I'll, I'll, I'll stop there before we get into sea ready. <laughs> yeah, you, that's so much info and so many more questions raised because I, I mean, I love that you've clearly had this passion for the ocean since early on, and you followed that. Um, I know I've heard you talk before about how a lot of people in the engineering space wanted to look at space, and you were sort of more focused on, um, let's look at the ocean right here on our own planet. And I, I love that you come from this technical background of roboticist and engineer but you've spun that into design thinking. And as I said in the intro, you're big on looking at, you know, human-based design and designing around people and like yourself with this passion. So um, I think you touched upon the barriers to entry, which is a huge topic. I think a lot of the startups we talk to look at, um, and, and I've seen a lot of startups that had huge potential not quite make it because of these different challenges in the industry. So maybe you could get into Seaworthy and talk about how you use it to address these challenges. Yeah, well, to formalize what we call these systemic barriers to ocean and climate impact, really it's kind of three key areas. So of course, first off is funding. Out of all of the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, SDG or Sustainable Development Goal 14, Life Below Water, which is, of course, representative of the oceans, is the least funded at just 0.01% of all funding for the sustainable goals. Can I just jump in there, Daniel, and tell you that all the startups that um, I get to talk to on Wavemakers, that's their their main issue is that funding. So great first first point there. Yeah. And especially right on the heels of COP27, you know, it, it is getting back to the fact that, um, you know, I also love getting back to my origins in ocean exploration. I mean, NASA gets 150 times the amount of funding for space exploration as NOAA does for ocean exploration. You know, it's the oceans are truly undervalued as an asset, period. And especially in fighting climate change. Um, but beyond that, then we get into, well, where is the actual money being allocated, right? And uh, the second piece, which I touched on from my personal experience, right, is really the private sector being dominated by the defense and fossil fuel industries. Um, one of the key uh, points of reference that I 
started Seaworthy with was seeing how I had no opportunities outside of the defense and fossil fuel industries. And this report called the Ocean 100 profiled the top 100 companies making up the majority of the blue economy. And no surprise, nine out of the top 10 were fossil fuel companies and the majority were fossil fuel and defense companies combined. So when you say, hey, these are the top 100 companies making up literally the private sector and you don't have an opportunity to actually do impact in that, uh, it's no wonder that there's so little opportunity. But then we get to the key third barrier. And this is the one that I don't think people talk enough about. Those first two are kind of pretty obvious if you've been in the blue economy space. Um, but this third one is really the human piece. And I love tomorrow that you've touched on the human centered side. And that is, well, I'll say more social than human, which is really, you know, when we talk about what are the pathways, right, to doing this work in the marine sciences, people are really led down very siloed paths of either doing public sector work or doing uh, research in academia, right? And these are the sectors themselves that have no funding, right? And there's more degrees than there are opportunities to do the work. And so when we mention blue economy, ESG, innovation and entrepreneurship, these are concepts that really aren't reaching the marine sciences because we're being taught how it's been rather than where it's going. And even recently, I was at an event where I was side by side with a professor at FIU and mentioning this bias and that, you know, teachers aren't teaching where the field is going. And he validated that um, it wasn't fighting words. We all see the problem. It's cultural. Um, it's this fear of, you know, embracing what's new and prototyping. And the reality is we need that more than any other sector because there's so little opportunity otherwise, right? We need to break out of that mold and show that entrepreneurship and scalable companies can be the future. And so when I talk about where Seaworthy started, um, really to me, these overarching barriers are kind of symbolic of a top-down approach, right? Everyone talks about policy change, you know, helping to direct more dollars into the space. And again, where have the practices primarily been in unsustainable or exploitive practices? And so for us at Seaworthy, it was really how do we build instead from the bottom up? right? Community building, education on opportunities to do the work. But then most importantly, and where a lot of nonprofits stop is at this community building and education work, but not leading people to tangible opportunity and action. And so that was our big differentiator in creating the first ocean and climate impact venture studio. Um, and if you're not familiar with the venture studio model, basically it's about co-creating startups by building interdisciplinary teams. And that was really the mechanism that we saw to democratize opportunity uh, in this space and most importantly really show that holistic uh, building of a pipeline and overall ecosystem here in south florida for doing ocean and climate impact work and so we you know, launched in 2020 uh, had our first cohort in our venture studio and uh, start in uh, july of 2021 uh, and since then we just wrapped up our second cohort in july of this year uh, and we've worked with 20 startups uh, across four different continents, seeing them go on to raise over $6 million with 35% of our founders coming from underrepresented backgrounds. And at the same time, uh, educating over 2000 people on opportunities to do ocean and climate impact innovation. And so, you know, it's showing that we can actually not only build and educate people, but really activate the community to do ocean and climate impact work and create a model that can really scale uh, as we think about regenerative and uh, localized regional development. Okay, we have to review a little bit because that you used a lot of big words to talk about Seaworthy and you're doing so much. So I just want to make sure the audience understands like Seaworthy 
Collective, which is, it's if I'm correct, Seaworthy Foundation is the nonprofit that supports Seaworthy Collective, right? Um, they, what you're doing is giving access to innovators to be able to get into the blue economy. You know, really, what I say is, so our 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 whole elevator pitch is basically Seaworthy Collective and Seaworthy Foundation. Our mission is to, to enable access and inclusion in ocean and climate impact innovation. And so basically what we do is we build, educate, and activate our community to co-create and grow ocean and climate impact startups. Love it. I think you're you're really creating like the new way of innovating in the blue economy, in the ocean tech space. And I know that from my experience with Seaworthy, you're doing that through talking to the founders themselves, helping them assess where where they need assistance and what they can be doing to really launch their, their companies, whether they're a startup that already exists and has been plodding along or, as you said, co-creating startups. So taking potential founders who have a great idea or a passion and helping them launch a startup. Yeah, I was going to just say it's really, you know, we, we've hybridized or I like to say we take some liberties on the venture studio model. Um, you know, it, it is, of course, co-creation is kind of the quote unquote model for venture studios. But, you know, we had early stage founders coming to us and saying they needed the support as well. And the reality is when it comes to the overall ecosystem for ocean innovation, you know, there's a lot of support in the later stage but there's not really a lot of support helping people get off the ground, right? And so whether it's just taking the leap and co-creating a startup or um, getting the support to get their idea to pilot. So you're really helping the really early stage companies. And I got to ask you, you said you launched in 2020 and you're two cohorts in, 20 companies supported, um, some millions raised. That's super excellent to hear that you can see there's some traction in your two years, is there something, what do you feel that Seaworthy has done well or done correctly? I mean, honestly, the the biggest thing to me is actually proving this holistic development model, um, whether it's from activating community, right? And showing what it actually means to build, educate and activate a community and lead them to opportunity, but also getting back to the personal side, right? On the individual level, how do we actually show that we can impact people? Um, I think especially in the sciences in general, we get so caught up on the solutions when the reality is the real solution is the people creating the solutions, right? And that to me is, you know, and, and you even said it uh, so beautifully in your intro, like this is about people. And the more that we can actually show that it's not just marine scientists and PhDs, but people of all different backgrounds coming together to actually follow their passion and do the work you know, I get back to the real success for Seaworthy is, I mean, as much of our startups being successful is our success. It's just that the, the opportunity exists. You know, the fact that the opportunity exists is the success. It means that we are actually changing the system by showing it's not just the standard paths that haven't enabled the scale of innovation we need. It has to be democratized and it has to show that it's diverse and interdisciplinary. I think you... I've been to some of your events, obviously, and I really see it's very clear that 
you're doing just that. And every one of the community events is very unique. I feel like you go to a seaworthy event and it is different to a lot of the other ocean tech events that you go to. So before I ask you the follow-up question of what do you feel that you can improve on in the next year, I want to just give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about those community building events that you mentioned because you're in South Florida. Um, I know you said that the defense industry and the oil and gas industry isn't quite as dominant there. So you have that as a differentiator as well. But what are you doing exactly in South Florida that's building community and activating people? Yeah, I mean, and this is part of when we talk about community-based development, right? It, it is about meeting people where they're at and building with community rather than you know perpetuating, I think, a lot of silos that we've seen in the marine sciences. Um, you know, getting back to our, our origins tomorrow, you know, we would meet at these conferences that were primarily dominated by older white males, right? And, you know, we need, we need to change that uh, demographic if we're going to have, you know, all hands on deck, if you will, uh, for the future of ocean innovation, right? And, you know, for us, we want to, we're intentional on making sure that our community is representative of that and representative of South Florida, which is very diverse, um, and so, you know, we don't have this, this, uh, similar demographic at our events. It's very, it's, you know, much more millennial Gen Z, but, you know, more importantly, people of, you know, all different backgrounds and, um, and people that may be ocean and climate impact curious, right. That may not be marine scientists. Um, you know, the biggest thing I'll just say is that people I think are well aware of a lot of the problems in the ocean space and a lot of. I think the historic initiatives in the ocean impact space are great at generating awareness of everything wrong. Uh, but I think people get really inspired. And when I say people in more general, outside of the typical mold, people um, get it really inspired seeing the actual solutions and people leading the development of solutions. Um, and so that's one of the things that I think is a really cool paradigm shift for us is to show that there are real solutions and real reasons for optimism and that it's not just hope for the sake of hope. Love that. A big message I try to bring here on Wavemakers is firstly to inspire people who don't already know a lot about the ocean space, ocean tech space rather, um, but also to take a little bit more of a positive approach because it's it gets pretty exhausting to hear all the negative, you know, what's wrong and how many challenges there are we're facing with climate change and the ocean, but rather that perspective of the people doing things that are making a difference. And you're clearly one of those wave makers. Takes one to know one. <laughs> Thank you very much. Then I guess I'll come back to, is there something in the next maybe year? I know I just read on your website about your launch of Seaworthy 2.0. So two years in, you're looking at what you're going to be doing going forward. What do you need? What do you want to improve on? With seaworthy, yeah. Well, it's it's been a, a such a journey to uh, figure out our model, and you know the the I feel like there's kind of in the startup world a unsaid, common known that it takes two to three years to really figure out how you formalize your business and really move forward and scale. Um, and we've really seen the pieces this year in our second year. Seaworthy 2.0 uh, really was formalizing you know all of our 
processes and programs moving forward. Uh, you know, they say it takes two to three years to really figure out uh, a startup and you know, we're two years in. And so for us, it was really about formalizing community building programs as one of our pillars, education, of course, as another, and actually we say social and educational programs. And then of course our startup programs, which is led by our venture studio. Um, but really for us, the Seaworthy 2.0 is this call to action for people to apply for our next cohort, which we're currently taking applications, as well as for partners to come on board who are looking to support programs like ours. You know, the biggest thing that, you know, I, I've really seen is the need for corporate engagement and seeing corporates understand that the impact isn't just this transactional one solution uh, and one outcome, but how can we build ecosystems together and understanding that, you know, we need these solutions and these really these founders to see opportunity in our local ecosystem and we're building that, right? And so this is a call to action for people to co-create or grow a startup with us for uh, both philanthropic and corporate funders who see the opportunity to really scale impact with us. And most importantly, just for people to join our community if they haven't already. And that's really uh, the, the bulk of it. Fantastic. I, I'm happy to include the link to those applications for the new cohort and your founder mentor program in the show description. And if you have your sponsorship for corporate funders, you, you know, a link to that, I'll include that as well. Because I think there's a lot of people on this, you know, listening to Coastal News today that would be interested in supporting something like this. It feels to me like there's sort of magnified impact you can have on lots of different startups going this route. So, well, and it's the, the, the fun of actually getting to follow along with our founders journeys. You know, at the end of the day, our, our real product is the pro is, is what our founders are producing. Right. And is seeing them go off and be successful and scaling solutions that we need to see happen. Um, and, you know, stories like Nicholas key, who is a seaweed farmer in Jamaica, who's literally, building livelihoods for uh, folks from fishing, fishing communities that literally are falling into lives of poverty and crime that because of overfishing need these alternative avenues to both regenerate the environment and create sustainable livelihoods. You know, these are the kinds of things that, you know, in my mind, get people really bought into the work we're doing where we can literally see the impact that we're enabling together. I, you hit on the next question I was going to ask you. Tell us a little bit about some of those innovators and, and what they're doing. So well, I got more, don't worry. <laughs> go for it. I'd love to hear a couple more. Yeah. Um, so seaweed farming is, is definitely one of the uh, areas we worked in, but uh, locally to South Florida, we've supported a startup called Kind Designs. That's 3D printing seawalls. Uh, they're living seawalls that can grow coral and algae and, you know, actually help regenerate the environment and are specifically created with concrete that doesn't leach into the water. Um, and, you know, most importantly, we need coastal resilience here in South Florida, uh, more than anything, uh, having just seen a category one storm here the other week, uh, we, you know, it's, it's incredible to see how just the category one can already bring the storm surge up to, you know, where the street meets the, meets the beach. Um, it's, it's these solutions that are going to make a big difference for our communities and, Founders like Anya Freeman, who uh, she's a Ukrainian immigrant to the U.S., female founder, like just, you know, the role models that we get to see created uh, going through our program uh, really is what inspires us to keep doing the work we're doing. 
but um but, you know Anya's now gone on to raise their first round and um you know they're on their way to actually I think deploying their first pilot uh next year so you know it, it's just awesome to see these these startups really uh start to pick up some some big wins fantastic and and you lead nicely into my next question which is why should people care I really try and incorporate that in the podcast because you know you hear a lot about neat tech that's going on and I get all excited about ocean tech and I'm sure you do we live in this bubble where everybody's interested in it but why should people care in general about these solutions and I I've heard you know you call them sustainable or regenerative solutions and hopefully if we don't have time to get into those, the difference there, this episode, I'm happy to have you back on next year and talk some more. But why should people care? You mentioned the hurricane, for example. Well, I'll, I'll break down the sustainable regenerative thing in under 30 seconds. Basically, it's to say sustainability is rooted in mitigation and usually siloed efforts. Regenerative is solving problems at their root and focused on building systems of solutions that really have mutual benefit in being together, uh, amplifying their their impact. Um, and so, you know, to me, the reason why people should care, uh, first off, is you know, we're, philanthropy in the ocean space uh, hasn't really worked or been scalable. Uh, it's you know, it, it coral restoration, if it worked in South Florida, we wouldn't have less than 2% left of our Florida Keys reefs. We need to think about things in a scalable way. Um, and it's part of why this has to be for-profit business is that we need impact that can scale as real scalable business. And at the same time, entrepreneurship is, you know, not only the American dream, but it's really the, the pathway to disrupting the status quo that's been in the ocean space that hasn't worked right and we have to find a way to enable people to have the impact that all of us who ever have taken a marine science class or been inspired by the ocean want to create and see happen in the world and so you know to me it's easy for people to get caught up in either the problems or even the solutions but the middle ground and really what I hope people take from this is caring about the people themselves that are making the impact and understanding, you know, the role models and future we can create when it's not just, uh, you know, PhDs and marine scientists, but people from diverse backgrounds that can be inspiring to people that never thought they could do this work. Um, and I look at the opportunity that we create at Seaworthy as the opportunity I never had when I was in industry that, you know, I can only hope for others to be able to capitalize on. I love that. I love that message. I was just about to say, what's the big takeaway? But I think you summed it up there very nicely. Thank you. <laughs> and demonstrated exactly what I was talking about with you. Like it's inspired by your own story and wanting to help others achieve, you know, something actually effective in this space. Um, I'd love for you to sort of tell our listeners any other final messages or calls to action and where they can find you, where you're speaking next, any anything else like that? Yeah, I mean, so first off, I just want to kind of put a bow on it and, and say, you know, getting back to where we started with the original problem for Seaworthy, right? It's as much as I can say systemic barriers, and obviously that doesn't sound relatable, uh, the reality is 
every one of those barriers, whether it's the lack of funding or seeing no opportunities in private sector or seeing how limited the opportunities are when you go through academia, um, you know, people find many different ways that they can relate to just how hard it is to break into this field and how hard it is to actually pursue your passion. And so to enable that and give people that opportunity is really to me, how we start to change things. Um, as far as how people can follow along with us. Uh, so seaworthycollective.com is our website. Uh, if you go to our homepage, there's a link to, or there's a button to click uh, and that will give you the opportunity to join our mailing list and our discord community. Um, at the same time, as we mentioned, we have our opportunities for sea change, which if you just click our startup programs, uh, there's an opportunity to apply for our next cohort. And then other than that, uh, of course, you can follow us on social media. Uh, it's at Seaworthy Collective on Instagram, uh, and also we're pretty active on LinkedIn, and at, sea, at Seaworthy Global on Twitter. And myself is Seaworthy Daniel on both platforms. But you know, really, to me, the call to action more than anything else is for people that are looking for that opportunity to apply for our starter programs and uh, also for funders that are sitting and trying to figure out what to do in ESG, knowing that we're hitting on literally all three of those <laughs> critical pieces of, of environment, social and governance, um, you know, that this is, the, this is how you really magnify your impact. And uh, we really see the opportunity to really grow next year with uh, some key partners on board. And other than that, I'll be speaking. I have uh, one more speaking engagement at the end of the year. I actually just did my first TED Talk uh, two weeks ago at MIT. Um, and can't wait to share that when that comes out. But I'll be speaking at a conference here in South Florida called Sustainable is the New Smart. Uh, that's December 13th and 14th, uh, sharing more on our work and maybe a little bit of what I shared at my TED Talk. Excellent. I was going to say, you said you're sort of active on LinkedIn, but I see you on there a lot. And Notice that you just did a TED Talk up in Boston. So very excited to hear that when it's available. And very glad you were given the opportunity. I think I'm going to add there that when you talk about this like open access and availability to anyone who is interested in in this ocean tech realm, I find it really fascinating just how many people, not even in the ocean or tech space, can get involved. I, I mean, there's designers and fashion and art and everything from food-related or packaging-related products. It really, the ocean really touches everything. So I think your Seaworthy Collective efforts making things more available, more open, is just the perfect way to to bring all these people together, all these creative minds together and make it so everyone can participate and hopefully make some change for good. Well, we do call our community sea change makers, uh, parallel to wave makers. Um, but, you know, it, it really is, I mean, I, you know, I love wordplay and puns, but it really is about, you know, creating a sea change in the ocean space, right? And what that means is really changing the mold of what it means to be doing ocean and climate impact work and who can do that work and how can we build around people from untraditional backgrounds to include them in doing this work and capitalize on their passions and willingness to contribute and giving them meaningful opportunities to do that. And the more people that have that opportunity, the more of a chance we have to actually solving the big problems facing our ocean and planet. Perfect. 
Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for being on the show today. And thank you to the listeners, as well as the American Shoreline Podcast Network for producing the show. As always, you can reach me on Instagram at Lady Blue Tech. I encourage you to visit the show notes and visit seaworthycollective.com and check out all the opportunities that are available there. You can also go through my Instagram or LinkedIn. Thank you so much. And let me know if you have suggestions of other amazing innovators that you believe is a wave maker. Thank you, Tamara. And shameless plug, Wave Makers is the best podcast. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That's not even a blooper. That's staying in. Hell yeah. <laughs>